as part of our prelude today, we're going to be introducing a new song, You Shine. Um, you can turn after the confession in the bulletin and read along with the words. We're going to sing it through, and then later on in our opening set, uh, we'll sing this hymn. sons and daughters of God. It's just a little pop to make sure you're awake. You know, I've got them scheduled three times during the sermon so that you can be sure that you're awake to hear. I'm glad to see you here and I'm glad that you are seeing us wherever you are watching us online today. Thank you for tuning in to our live stream and thank you for coming to be here in the room with us today. It's good to be in our father's house. It's good to be in our father's living room. Good to be alive in our Father's world. I saw the other day that Ken Burns, the great uh, documentarian, is getting ready to put out a new uh, film. Uh, it's called The Greatest. It's about Muhammad Ali. 
And certainly, Muhammad Ali had one way to measure greatness, and a lot of other people have ways of measuring greatness, and we're taught what it means to be great. But today, Jesus challenges that conventional wisdom, and he offers a new way of thinking about what true greatness is. And so we will hear him teach us about how to be really great in his world. So now I'd invite you to stand as you are able as we begin together with our confession and promise of forgiveness. Blessed be the Holy Trinity, one God, whose teaching is life, whose presence is sure, and whose love is endless. Amen. Amen. Friends, the invitation list to the Lord's table is larger than any of us could ever imagine. Let us confess the ways in which we have sought to limit that invitation. God of hospitality and wonder, you welcome us to a table that invites those who are different than us. This invitation has made us uncomfortable, unsettled, and defensive. Our discomfort comes from an unwillingness to really see other people. Our unsettledness comes from our misunderstanding of greatness. Our defensiveness comes from a belief that our image of you is the only one that matters. Help us to surrender ourselves to the abundance of your invitation. Inspire us to embrace the fact that servanthood is strength, not weakness. Gather us to welcome the stranger, care for the lowly and the oppressed, and feed the hungry. Forgive us for our short-sightedness and open us to your gospel that we might better embody the beloved community you call us to be. In the wild and wonderful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Friends, we are all invited to this table. I am here to announce to you that whatever you think disqualifies you from God's love has been washed away in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I announce to you that our sins have been forgiven. Hallelujah. Amen. Plans are full of love. 
Let us pray together. O oh God, our teacher and God, you draw us to yourself and welcome us as beloved children. Help us to lay aside all envy and selfish ambition that we may walk in your ways of wisdom and understanding as servants of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. The first reading this morning is from the book of James, chapter 3. 
The wisdom God gives unites our hearts and minds. Instead of living to satisfy our own wants and desires, we manifest this wisdom in peace, gentleness, mercy, and impartiality toward others. A reading from James. Who is wise and understanding among you? Show by your good life that your works are done with gentleness, born of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not be boastful and false to the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, devilish. For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there will also be disorder and wickedness of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first, is first pure, then peaceful, peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace for those who make peace. Those conflicts and disputes among you, where do they come from? Do they not come from your cravings that are at war within you? You want something and do not have it, so you commit murder. And you covet something and cannot obtain it, so you engage in disputes and conflicts. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly in order to spend what you get on your pleasures. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. Gospel according to Mark. Leaving that region, they traveled through Galilee. Jesus didn't want anyone to know he was there, for he wanted to spend more time with his disciples and teach them. He said to them, The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of his enemies. He will be killed, but three days later he will rise from the dead. They didn't understand what he was saying, however, and they were afraid to ask him what he meant. After they arrived at Capernaum and settled in a house, Jesus asked his disciples, What were you discussing out on the road? But they didn't answer because they had been arguing about which of them was the greatest. He sat down, called the twelve disciples over to him and said, Whoever wants to be first must take the last place and be servant of everyone else. Then he put a little child among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, Anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me welcomes not only me, but also my father who sent me. This is the gospel of our Lord. Thanks be to God.
In Jesus' name, amen. Can you believe it? The TV show Survivor is in its 40th season. Although it's only been on TV for 21 years, they do two seasons every year. But even that makes it one of the top five longest-running TV shows in history. And it may also be hard to believe that I remember how exciting that first season was. I remember how we would make sure that our VCR, remember them, VCR? We would make sure our VCR was programmed so that we could record it if we weren't there to see it live. And one of the reasons we were so excited about Survivor's first season is that one of the contestants was from Greensboro, and we lived in Greensboro at the time. Richard Hatch was his name, and he prided himself in being one of the villains on the island. He said, I'm not here to be anybody's friend. I'm here to play the game. And play it, he did. Plotting, strategizing, conniving with others, all to survive and win. And it worked. He won. And in an interview later on in TV Guide, he said unabashedly that he felt like he was the, the best thing since sliced bread. He said uh, proudly, I love me. Now I wonder, is it much of a stretch to say that the idea of survivor is a snapshot of life? I mean, aren't we taught from a very young age how to survive and win? Things like survival of the fittest and look out for number one, aren't those things shot at us all the time in one fashion or another? Winning isn't the best thing. It's the only thing, according to Vince Lombardi, one of the winningest coaches in the NFL. And winning takes cunning and strategizing and making and breaking alliances. It takes courage. It takes stamina. And many of us Play that game really hard. We play it so hard because we want to be able to look back at the end of it all and say, well, at least I survived and maybe with a little luck, I won. I was able to be a champion. I was a success after all. So, how does all of that square with what Jesus says to his disciples this morning? He's just told them for the second time that he's not going to survive his time in the world. That he would suffer and die because of what he stood for and what he was teaching. But then he heard them arguing amongst themselves about who was the greatest. Who was going to be top dog? And so he sits them down again and says, You want to be first? Be last. You want to be great? Be a servant. And to illustrate this countercultural life skill, he brings in a, a young child, holds this child in his arms. And we probably have some 
image of that, and when we would think about that, we would think, oh, isn't that sweet? Jesus holding a little child in his arms. After all, we know Jesus loves the little children. Except what Jesus is doing is quite radical. It's revolutionary. It's countercultural to be sure because in that day, children were the lowest in society. They were considered property and could be bought and sold freely. They had no standing at all. They had no voice. They were the least. And so what Jesus is doing is completely overturning the disciples' understanding about what it means to be first and great. He says it's about being lowly, about serving. It's not about getting the most. It's about caring for others. It's not about hostility. It's about hospitality, welcoming those who are outcast and shunned by the rest of the world. He says, whoever welcomes someone like this child welcomes me. And not just me, but welcomes the one who sent me. I think we can hear echoes of another famous teaching of his, that whatever you do to one of the least of my sisters and my brothers, you do to me. And friends, that is still so countercultural, even today. It's so out of step with, with conventional wisdom, with what we are taught all our life. You want to be last? Be first? I mean, you want to be first, be last? Well, if you're last, that's where you're going to end up. You're going to be last. You're going to be a loser. Because if you don't win, you lose. This is such an I love me world that servanthood and lowliness is not given much credit at all. But you see, it's right at this moment, it's right at this point that Jesus invites us to make a decision about our living. Do we want to live by conventional wisdom? By the world's way of thinking about success and fame and greatness? Or do we choose to live His way? Jesus is calling us to flip our attitude toward greatness completely upside down and to change how we see things in the world. James also adds his voice to this whole discussion. He's absolutely right when he teaches that there are two kinds of wisdom Two kinds of desires that guide us and shape how we live and relate to one another. There's the wisdom of competition, of jealousy, selfish ambition. And so often that kind of wisdom leads to hostility, lying. He calls it every kind of evil. He says that the conflicts between us are a result of the conflicts within us. The conflict that, that drives us crazy as we try to determine how we're going to live and relate to one another. He says, these conflicts and disputes among you, where do they come from? Do they not come from your cravings that are at war within you? Conflicts and hostility is, is the result of our following one kind of wisdom the one the world teaches us so much. But the other kind of wisdom, 
God's wisdom. Jesus' kind of wisdom is the one that leads to good deeds and mercy and peacemaking. The question is, which one will we choose? Which wisdom do we live by? Whose wisdom do we trust the most? Following the wisdom and the, the, tr the tr trust of Jesus calls us to look at life from the bottom up instead of the top down. And in order to get us to do that, Jesus uses an illustration, a child. He said, do you want to see God? Do you, are you curious about what God understands about greatness? Then welcome a child. And we all know, don't we, that always and everywhere, children are completely dependent on those who are bigger and older and stronger than they are. Children are vulnerable. And so Jesus shocks us by pointing to this lack of power, to this vulnerability as a portrait of God. Welcome the child. Welcome God. We just sang, you are Lord of creation and Lord of my life. And that's usually the way we think about God. Jesus says, you want to welcome God? Welcome a vulnerable child. And later on today, we are going to welcome two children into God's family through the waters of baptism. We are going to welcome them into a teaching that says life is not about being on top at all costs. We're going to help them understand that God, the Lord of the universe, the King of creation, came into life just the way they did and the way we did as a helpless human baby. And what's more, Jesus showed us God's complete vulnerability by loving us to death. Giving His life so that we could see and understand the depth of His love for us. Greatness comes by serving, by giving our life as He did, by welcoming others the way we have been welcomed. And we begin to live out this new resurrection life that Jesus gives to us whenever we sacrifice our life as well. And it can make all the difference in the world when we do. Author Kayam Potok wanted to be a writer from a very early age. And when he was getting ready to go out or go off to college, his mother took him aside and said, Chaim, I've got a better idea. I know you want to be a writer, but I've got a better idea. Why don't you be a brain surgeon? You'll keep a lot of people from dying and you'll make a lot of money. And Chaim said, no, Mama, I want to be a writer. When he came home from college to, to vacation at home, the same conversation happened again. Chaim, I, I know you want to be a writer, but listen to your mama. Be a brain surgeon. You'll save a lot of people from dying, and you'll make a lot of money. 
And over and over again, each time he would come home, that same kind of conversation would take place until finally, at the end of his second year of college, an explosion occurred. His mother burst out. You are wasting your time. You are wasting your life. Be a brain surgeon. You will keep a lot of people from dying and you'll make a lot of money. And Potok exploded back. Mama, I don't want to keep people from dying. I want to show them how to live. Jesus doesn't want us. He doesn't want to just keep us from dying. He wants to show us how to live. He doesn't want us just to survive. He wants us to thrive. We thrive, he says, when we serve. We win when we put others first. Winners bear a cross before they wear a crown. Winners say, I love you before they say, I love me. It all comes down to how we choose to define greatness. And the choice is ours to make. We can live on the world's terms or on Jesus. Which will it be? Thriving or merely surviving? In Jesus' name. Our hymn of the day is a beautiful new song that comes out of our new hymnal. God, we gather as your people. And the praise team will sing the first verse, and we invite you to join in with the second, third, and fourth. and minds be old. 
Please stand if you are able. Let us pray. Made children and heirs of God's promise, we pray for the church, the world, and all in need. God of community, we pray for the church around the world. Unite us in our love for you. Help us overcome our divisions that we are encouraged to work together for your sake. In your mercy, hear our prayer. God of cooperation, we pray for nations of the world embroiled in conflict. Inspire leaders to listen to each other and work towards peaceful solutions to disagreements. Protect the vulnerable, especially children who cannot find safety in their home or country. In your mercy, hear our prayer. God of comfort, we pray for all who live with mental or physical illness. Help them find appropriate care. Bring healing and wholeness when the path forward seems bleak. We pray especially for those that we now that we know and name here now. Susan Bayman, Jesse Brock, John Daly, Gay Green, Alberta Holden, Merrill Holden, Paul Letts, Mary Lou Schofield. Roger Strong, Bill Sutton, Ron Wagner, and those 
on our lips or in our hearts. In your mercy, hear our prayer. Guide of compassion, we pray, for, we pray for ourselves, for our needs and concerns, for our thanksgivings and celebrations. Hear us as we pray. In your mercy, hear our prayer. Receive these prayers, O God, and those in our hearts known only to you. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Peace of Christ be with you always. May we greet one another with the sign of Christ's peace. And to those of you watching at home, we extend Christ's peace to you and we receive the same back from you. God's peace be with you. If you are worshiping at home with us this morning, we invite you to join us in this meal of thanksgiving, forgiveness, and new life by preparing your bread and cup and joining us. We invite you to commune everyone who is in your midst for all are welcome at this table, or you may commune by yourself if you are alone. Please share the bread with the words, the body of Christ given for you, and with the cup, the blood of Christ shed for you. Jesus invites all of his disciples to reconsider what it means to be great. And he did so by making an example of someone who was totally vulnerable, a little child. He calls us children of God, and that is who we are. And because we are children of God, we are vulnerable too. We make ourselves vulnerable to the world as servants and as bearers of the gospel message. But we need strength for this journey. We need strength for this work that we do. And so Jesus offers himself for us, just as he did on the night in which he was betrayed, where he took bread, gave thanks, broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks and gave it for them to drink saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. All who hunger and thirst come. The table is ready and all are welcome to share in this holy meal. We will commune the piano side first. Please be seated. Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world. Have mercy on us, mercy on us, mercy.
The body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ strengthen you and keep you in his grace. Amen.
Lord of life, in the gift of your body and blood, you turn the crumbs of our faith into a feast of salvation. Send us forth into the world with shouts of joy, bearing witness to the abundance of your love in Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Again, we welcome you to worship. It is always good to have you here in this space and good to have you online with us. We are delighted that we can share this time, not only here, but all across the airways as we worship together. We have had opportunity in these past days to actually be those hands and feet of Christ as we did the God's Work Our Hands ministry last week. It was a wonderful outpouring of generosity and servanthood. You have a listing of all the things that we did and were able to share with our community in your bulletin. And I invite you to, to look at that and not, not so much be proud, but be humbled by what we can do when God empowers us to be servants to one another. Thank you for what you have made possible. Now please stand as you are able and hear this assurance of grace. God has always loved you. God loves you now and God will love you forever. This is the good news that gives us new life. It is the good news that empowers us to be humble, to be servants, to be Christ's hands and feet in the world. And so we go trusting that God will continue to bless us and keep us, that God's face will continue to shine on us with grace and mercy, that God will continue to look upon us with favor and to give us peace. Amen. peace, welcome God's children, no matter where you might go. Thanks be to God.
that you 